Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To contact us, call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Now here's Joel Van Hoogen. Moses wanted to know Christ more than anything else. Hebrews 11.26 tells us that Moses wanted to identify with the suffering Jewish slaves in Egypt more than to be identified with the honor of Pharaoh's family. And it gives us the reason. He esteemed the reproaches of the Messiah greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt. Moses wanted to be near Christ more than anything else. Now this reveals to us a number of wonderful insights into Moses' faith. Number one, he had a vision of Christ all the way back in Egypt. Number two, he had a vision of Christ among the sufferings of a group of slaves. Now for us, the question remains, where can we uniquely go to know Christ in the same way as Moses? And here we have a progress of Moses' faith. There will be a love for the people of God. There will be a desire in him to identify with the people of God. There will be a faith that brings him to him, an understanding that's quite wonderful and profound in what we want to look in this morning, but an understanding that the Messiah, God's Savior, was present and that God's Savior was experiencing and encountering the sorrows and the sufferings of the Jewish slaves at that time. In fact, verse 26 tells us, that Moses esteemed the reproaches of the Messiah, the reproaches of the Messiah as greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt. Just prior to that, it tells us that Moses was willing to go out from the wealth and identification of the house of Pharaoh to be identified with the suffering of God's people. And here's where these reproaches were found. And yet the suffering of God's people now is equated with the reproaches of the Messiah the savior of the people of Israel. So Moses gets this insight. Jesus actually acknowledged that somehow Moses had some insight, had this understanding of his own coming as the Messiah because the Lord Jesus very simply said of Moses in Moses' writings that Moses wrote about me. Now how Moses came to understand this and began to see in the suffering of the people of Israel and in their slavery and their bondage, the presence and the suffering and the reproaches of the Messiah, and how Moses began to anticipate the work of the Messiah is somewhat of a mystery to us. But let me just kind of take you for a moment on a possible survey on how Moses could have come to this. Obviously, God is at work. God is revealing himself to the prophet. God is making himself known. But how God does that, how God leads him, how God develops his life in such a way to see these things is somewhat of a mystery to us. But let's take somewhat of imaginative guess into this situation. And let's remember that in every culture, God has left keys of communication of his truth, even in places far away from where we think his truth is shining. Oftentimes, these keys can be found in the enemy's attempts. These very keys that God gives to give light to his truth can be found in the attempts of the enemy to create forgeries to God's truth. It's the very places where the enemy will create false imitations of what God is seeking to reveal or what God is going to do that God comes along. Those forgeries are there, but God comes along and in those very places, God lets them remain because even these forgeries give keys demonstrating and forecasting 
something of the truth that God has yet to reveal. Let me explain to you what I'm saying. Let me kind of help you see this. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's house. Close enough to the power of Pharaoh to maybe be tantalized with the possibility of himself becoming a Pharaoh or Pharaoh himself one day. And if this would have happened, Moses would have been exalted to a place of being Egypt's God. Because the Egyptians understood that Pharaoh was the incarnation. He was the fleshed out presentation and the voice and the representation and the face of Ra, the most powerful God of all the Egyptians. Could it be that Moses came to understand that Israel's God was God of God and Lord of Lords? Could it be that he began to understand that this God who had promised to one day send a Messiah through the people of Israel? You might remember that when God came to Abraham, he told Abraham that Abraham was going to become a great nation. But the other thing that God said was that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed, singular. And he repeated this promise on more than one occasion. And when we come to the New Testament, we recognize that the reason that God says not through the seed and the multiplication of himself throughout the nations, but through a seed God would raise up a blessing is because it was sparking and raising a hope and an understanding in the heart of those who were discerning God's word and God's prophecy that there was one rising up from within the nation that God was going to multiply through Abraham, one rising up who would reach a point and place of blessing, universal blessing for all the earth. Maybe Moses began to understand this and see it. And as he began to contemplate these things and understand it, he began to think to himself that maybe this one that would be raised up to become the king and the Messiah and the source of blessing that would flow throughout all the earth, maybe this Messiah would become the incarnation of Israel's one true God. That he would be the face of God and he would be the voice of God. It's interesting because our passage here that we're looking at in Hebrews intertwines this idea of Moses esteeming or viewing the reproach of the Messiah with the idea of Moses enduring and seeing him who is invisible, which would speak of the one true God. The Messiah and the invisible one seem to be coalesced together into one thought, one vision for Moses. And it was this Messiah that Moses, by faith, understood was present in the pain and the suffering of the Jewish slaves. Again, interestingly, that this insight that Moses had is demonstrated to be true in the very words that Jesus will speak to Saul after his resurrection. We spoke about this last week. When Saul is going on the way to Damascus to persecute Christians in Damascus, following the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus, in a miraculous revelation of himself along the way, confronts Saul and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the Lord Jesus is revealing that he is present in the suffering and the agony of his people. He's making himself known in this way. And so Moses is seeing what Saul came to understand. And so Moses claimed as a reward nearness to this one by drawing near and being in fellowship with those who are suffering for his namesake and enduring the reproaches that are coming upon them that are actually a reproach to the Messiah himself. I believe that Moses, by faith, understood that in drawing near to the suffering Jews, he was drawing near to the Messiah. 
And that in drawing near to the Messiah, he was drawing near to the invisible God. And it was his encounter with the invisible God and his Messiah that began to fill him with a fearless faith that enabled him to forsake all of the riches and all of the beguilement of Egypt. This is really somewhat a review of what we talked last week, but let's just give another application here. Where can we go to find this point of identification ourselves? I know that we as Christians know that Christ is living within us and abiding within us. But it seems in Scripture as we look through that there are places and there are points where Christ in a sense uniquely and wonderfully expresses himself and makes himself present. And I wanted to suggest to you that it hasn't changed. James will emphasize this truth that I'm going to say to you. And you'll find it over and over again throughout the Old Testament that the Lord Jesus, that God reveals himself where people are suffering where people are enduring indignities, where you find the poor, where you find the widow, where you find the orphan, where you find the stranger. And uniquely, it's not just any poor or any orphan or any widow or any stranger, but it's those who are enduring these things who've been brought now to faith in Jesus Christ. We just read our passage in Matthew chapter 25, where the Lord Jesus said, as you've fed this person or as you've given drink to this person, or as you've clothed this person, or as you've visited this sick one, or as you've gone to this one in prison, you've done it to me. And then when they've said, when have we done it to you in this way? He said, when you've done it to the least of these, my brethren. It's kind of an interesting thing. You'll find that after the Lord Jesus resurrected, when he gave instruction to those that they were to go to, to tell the women, for example, that he had risen from the grave, he says, go back and tell my brothers, speaking of the apostles. Another time he says, don't touch me, but go tell my brothers that I go to heaven. Hebrews chapter 2, we've read now that the Lord Jesus is no longer ashamed to call us brethren, that he identifies us ourselves as his brothers. There is this identification with the body of Christ in this way, but also uniquely with those who have been commissioned in his service and are carrying out that service and are suffering for the sake of that service. These are his brethren. These are the people that he has a passionate concern for and he makes himself present. I want to say to you that if you want to identify yourself with Christ and his presence and realize himself as he comes among the suffering that You should go out to those who are in need around you in your community. You should go out to the poor that are with you. I just talked to a pastor this last week. He lives in Boise, but he's going away in a couple of weeks to Atlanta. He's going to be working with a ministry that is developing in Atlanta that reaches out to the refugees that are flooding into that community. And he's doing it because he wants to learn how to more effectively reach out to the refugees in our own community. I think he's on to something. I think God is uniquely expressing himself in those people that come and they're impoverished and they're poor and they're weak and there are unique opportunities for us in those places to bring the gospel to them and lead them to Christ. The fact is it's an interesting thing in North America as the church has in North America has failed more and more to be vigilant in their call to be missionaries to the ends of the earth. You know what God has done? God says, if you won't go to them, I'm going to send them to you. And God's bringing them to us. He's seeing whether we're going to respond in our passionate desire to know and identify with Christ and his weakness and his brokenness and draw near to him and enter into him and seek him out in the presence of these individuals. 
I'd also tell you, and I just want to encourage you, find pastors and find workers and find men who are laboring on the mission field and serving the Lord to suffer and have given up much and draw near to them. Be near to them in the ministry and pray for them. And Those are places where Christ makes himself known. That's why I mentioned to you our brother Heber. That's why I bring to you the stories of other pastors who are struggling. I tell you about Ernest Ung. Position of great power and influence. Has the potential to be living off of the wealth that comes in from somebody who works at the right hand of the Prime Minister and Deputy Prime Minister of Cambodia. But actually lives very meagerly. He's been driving around the same car. He needed to have a car when we sent them there 12 or 15 years ago. But he's been driving around that same car now and it's finally died. But men who are willing to forsake things. And, and these are men from where we live. But then I can take you and show the pastors who are answering God's call in these various countries and villages. And the suffering that they endure in order to serve the Lord. You want to know the Messiah? You want to draw near to the Christ uniquely and profoundly? The Bible warns us against going around and trolling for the rich and wealthy and successful that can show you how their belief and faith in God has been rewarded by great blessings to figure out their secret. It warns us against that kind of favoritism. Instead, it's, it tells us explicitly to draw near to those who are poor, and particularly those who are poor because they're suffering for the gospel's sake. Moses knew that. Moses sought out the Savior in the suffering of his people. Thanks for joining us at the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.